Having lived and worked in several different countries, what I've learned is that no country or government's perfect. Every place has its problems, its share of corruption, and those silly, quirky little things that seem to make life much more difficult than it really needs to be. And this includes my home country of the United States. But as you could have likely guessed, some countries are far worse than others. Now, rarely do I feel compelled to make any sort of strong political statement. But however, something was brought to my attention recently that completely changed my perspective on something. And this is something that affects every single one of us. This has to do with everyday life sustainability, as well as basic human rights. So listen to this episode and decide for yourself, should we ditch China? Welcome to the Adventures in Sustainable Living podcast. Your host has lived an off-grid sustainable lifestyle for over 20 years. His homestead is run on solar energy. He has an earth shelter greenhouse and produces much of his own food. And all of this takes place in the middle of the forest in Colorado. Now, let's join Patrick, the man that not only teaches the skills of sustainable living, but lives that life every day. Welcome back everyone to the Adventures in Sustainable Living podcast. This is your host Patrick, and this is episode number 48, which is called should we ditch china now believe it or not the inspiration for this episode was my accountant whom i've known for over 20 years i was introduced to sean many years ago by a classmate of mine and i've had a good working relationship with him since that time and every month sean publishes a newsletter that contains accounting and and investment advice for his clients and now Sean can be a rather outspoken person at times, but I think this is because he has to deal with the Internal Revenue Service on a regular basis. But anyway, his newsletter usually has some entertaining and sometimes not so funny updates on what the government is doing to you this time. But he also tends to have a few other things in there that are directed toward his view on the world at large. So it is Sean that brought my attention to China. And it is my subsequent research that made me completely change my views on this country, especially from the perspective of sustainability. But my research also brought up some other political issues. And now, you know, at this point, you may be questioning how these two things are related So just bear with me for a moment because I'm going to get around to that, of course. But I also think it's important to give you just a short little history lesson in order to bring things into perspective. About 40 years ago, China made some sweeping economic reforms and some fairly broad liberalization of their political policies and their trade policies that has resulted in China becoming a major global economic power. And prior to that, China just simply maintained some policies that suppressed their economy and kept it isolated from the global market. And consequently, the economy was relatively poor. 
It was certainly stagnant, it was centrally controlled, and enormously inefficient. But that all changed in about 1979 when China made extensive free market reforms. And as a result, as a result China has emerged to become one of the world's fastest growing economies. It's had an annual gross domestic product growth of 9.5% through the year of 2018. And in fact, the World Bank have used this growth as the fastest sustained expansion by a major economy in history. So in turn, this has made China the world's largest economy, manufacturer, merchandise trader, and holder of foreign exchange reserves. And as far as the United States goes, China is our largest merchandise trading partner, our biggest source of imports, as well as the third largest U.S. export market. And China is also the largest holder of U.S. Treasury securities. Now, when I read that, I did not know exactly what that meant. So I had to look it up. So what that means, you know, a U.S. Treasury security such as bills, notes, and bonds are essentially debt obligations of the United States government. And when you buy a Treasury security, you are essentially loaning money to the U.S. government for a specified period of time. So China is now the largest holder of U.S. securities, and which means China is now loaning the federal government more money than anyone else in the world. Now, I guess that adds a whole new meaning to the global economy. So, please allow me to get on my little political soapbox for a moment. Uh, in the year 2020, the federal government collected $3.4 trillion in revenue and they spent $6.5 trillion. And our present national debt is about $26.7 trillion. Now, it seems to me our government continues to spend our tax dollars like an irresponsible teenager with a credit card. And consequently, we are now in debt to foreign countries that obviously do not have our best interest in mind. But let's get back on topic. In 2020, China exported approximately 2.6 trillion US dollars worth of goods. Of that amount, about $560 billion of goods were sent to the United States, and approximately 21% of all goods imported to the US actually comes from China. So why is that? Well, the simple fact is that low-priced consumer goods produced in China have been dominating the American imports for decades now. And the best-known reason for this is that it is typically far less expensive to manufacture goods in China than in many other countries. Lower manufacturing costs translates into better margins and lower prices for the end user. Even with factoring in shipping costs, it is usually far cheaper to manufacture goods in China 
And that is why so many products are outsourced to China, not only by the United States, but many other countries as well. So just the other day, I actually went out shopping for a couple of things, which is rather rare for me. But when I do venture out, I am usually looking for something very specific. And I just needed a couple things because I was on a short business trip to Arizona. And first I went to a local sporting goods store and I needed some shoes for work because I'm on my feet a lot. And so I typically use uh, lightweight hiking shoes for work. And I typically buy the Merrill brand, which is a good, a good brand of shoes, which I've used for many years now. But I also needed a cooking set for my camping gear so I could cook simple meals in my hotel room instead of eating restaurant food. And the next stop was the local supermarket because I needed a small cooking knife for chopping food. So during my little shopping spree, I, I did not look at the origin of these products until I returned to my hotel. And guess what? To my surprise, every single item was labeled made in China. Now, first of all, I want to clear up some some common misconceptions about Chinese manufacturing because this label of made in China has certainly acquired a negative connotation as people often equate that label to poorly made products. But there are in fact a lot of poorly made cheap consumer products that come out of China, but there are also some top name brands such as Apple products and even Armani are made in China and believe it or not the majority of our cell phones are also manufactured in China and that reminds me of something I saw the other day when I met with some friends in a local restaurant and on the wall of this restaurant is a sign that says price quality service pick any two so what you have to understand is that the Chinese economy is feeding our unrelenting Western appetite for inexpensive consumer goods. And it is often a matter of choosing two out of the three, price, quality, or service. And as Westerners, we often demand a good price and quick service, but what that means is that you may not always get the best quality. So what I really want to do is to take a moment and look at this situation from the perspective of sustainability. So just allow me to take a moment and point out a few things that I've mentioned in earlier episodes. In episode two, I talked about the most sustainable countries and I discussed several countries that have emerged to the point of the entire country running off of renewable energy sources. And these countries are great examples of what can be accomplished with proper motivation. In episode 18, Choices Make Changes, I discussed how our choices are a powerful driving force in the marketplace. Episode 19, The True Impact of Fair Trade, I brought up the fact that two-thirds of the world makes less than the equivalent of 10 U.S. dollars a day and 10% of those folks make less than a dollar 90 cents a day. And yet it is these folks that provide the developed world 
with the majority of goods that we use every day right down to the fruits and vegetables that we eat. And in episode 20, The Good Country, I talked about all the concepts that make up a good country and if you or I had to move out of our home country, how would you choose your new home? So with those basic concepts of sustainability in mind, let's circle back to this topic of China. It is obvious that our consumer choices drives the marketplace. So why do we consistently purchase lower quality products from China that are used for a short period of time and then have to be tossed in the garbage? What we should be doing is putting our money into higher quality products that have a longer shelf life and have been manufactured from materials that can be recycled. China is, in fact, the largest economy in the world, yet they have not even begun to address the concepts of sustainability. As far as China is concerned, you can forget about fair trade because the average hourly wage in China is $1.52 per hour, and which is really unfortunate because as a teenager in 1976, I was working in a supermarket bagging groceries and making $2.35 an hour. But besides all of that, China has a horrible track record as far as human rights are concerned. In fact, the government of the People's Republic of China is guided by a totalitarian ideology under the absolute rule of the Chinese Communist Party. The government commonly deprives their citizens of basic human rights on a widespread scale and systematically limits their personal freedoms as a way of retaining power. In fact, Chinese citizens cannot practice the religion or belief of their choice. They cannot openly express their opinions, nor can they form groups of their choosing without fear of harassment, arrest, and some sort of retribution. Minorities in China are subject to arbitrary detention, forced abortions and sterilization, state-sponsored forced labor, so-called political indoctrination, and even torture. And in fact, the Chinese Communist Party recently announced that the accumulation of personal wealth was only allowed as long as it served the purpose of the Chinese Communist Party. And furthermore, it is openly acknowledged in the international community that the Chinese government is responsible for widespread and open violations of basic human rights and actions that are considered crimes against humanity. But as I said before, I'm, I'm not generally a very politically oriented person and seldom do I feel the need to stand up and make any sort of strong political statement but I want to take a moment here and just look at the situation in China and compare that to a few controversial things in our own culture because I think this will help to, to bring this into perspective. So let's consider for a moment the Confederate flag. Most people these days consider the Confederate flag to be highly offensive 
and a representation of blatant racism. And these days, people feel so strongly about anything that even has a hint at racism that even professional sports organizations are changing their names, military bases are changing their names, and even old movies are being banned, and books are being pulled off the shelf. Let's look at our cancel culture. Presently, our culture tends to immediately boycott public figures, companies, and media after they say the least little thing that is considered objectionable or offensive. Black Lives Matter is another good example. This is a strong political movement to resist police brutality against black people, and this movement actually wants to defund police departments from public safety and from a public safety perspective that that to me makes no sense whatsoever. The Green New Deal is a movement to confront climate change by curbing emissions, imposing environmental regulations and exploring alternative energy sources. And despite all the scientific evidence that this is the direction that we need to move in, massive amounts of people are even opposed to this. And now, what about our right to privacy? Now, this is, of course is a highly controversial topic that centers on conflicting priorities between individual privacy and public safety. So these are truly just five examples that I wanted to, to bring up and there are a lot of other highly politically charged and emotional issues in our own culture, but these are just five examples that I picked. So here is my point. With the Confederate flag being so offensive to most people these days, would you be willing to financially support an organization that openly displays the Confederate flag and promotes white supremacy? Most likely your answer is no. Would you be willing to financially support an organization that openly promotes and justifies violence against black people or any other ethnic group for that matter? Most likely your answer is no. Would you be willing to financially support an organization that wantonly destroys the environment? So for example, the total destruction of Teton National Park for the sake of drilling for oil. Would you be willing to support an organization that openly advocates our total loss of any sort of personal privacy? Most likely your answer again is no. And yet these are just examples and I hope anyone listening answered no to all of these above questions. So that being said, I have one last question. Why do we as individuals financially support a government that is well known in the international community for openly committing crimes against humanity? Because that is exactly what happens when you purchase Made in China. Or do we just openly ignore this in order to satisfy our insatiable appetite for consumer goods? Or would it be better to completely boycott any product made in China? I think I can say with certainty that 
with China being one of the largest international trading partners on a global scale, that no government in the world is going to completely break off relations with China and ban the importation of their products. And this is simply because it's hugely profitable for them. So you may be asking, what the heck does this have to do with sustainability? And, you know, certainly you've heard me say before that the one basic principle of sustainability is what kind of future we are leaving the next generation. And additionally, if you simply search for the term principles of sustainability, one of the top principles that is consistently listed is social equity. And when you mention sustainability, the first thing that people tend to think about or focus on is certainly environmental issues. But we must not forget that sustainability is just as much about people as it is about the environment. Because how can we work together and build a better future when social equity is completely ignored? You know, I... I do have to say that I find it somewhat surprising that many of us ignore such things, especially when we literally live in the age of information. But according to modern psychology, the evolution of our ability to develop rational thoughts is, is highly biased toward fulfilling fundamental social functions such as cooperating in large groups and communicating with one another and it did not evolve to simply help us find the truth. So maybe that is why so many of us simply ignore the truth about this situation with China. This whole topic here reminds me of a conversation I had with one of my long-term friends a couple months ago. And they only live a couple of miles from the cabin, and I've known these guys for probably 15 years or probably longer. And we were discussing the state of the economy as well as some other international issues. And Dan told me that his wife absolutely refuses to purchase anything that is made in China. And at the time, I was wondering why she felt so strongly about it. And I actually never did ask her justification for her feelings, but I can honestly say now that I have my own opinion about it. So I know you have heard me say before that preventing one piece of trash from going to the landfill is not what is going to save the planet. However, a lifetime of sustainable habits will. And you have also heard me say that incorporating the principles of sustainability into your life is about making better choices. So the whole point of this episode is truly about making better choices. So I've given five examples about some controversial issues in our own culture, and I've asked five pertinent questions. So think about this again. Would you be willing to financially support an organization that openly displays the Confederate flag and promotes white supremacy? Would you be willing to financially support an organization that openly promotes and justifies violence against black people or any other ethnic group for that matter? Would you be willing to financially support an organization that wantonly destroys 
the environment. Would you be willing to support an organization that openly advocates our total loss of any sort of personal privacy? And if you answered no to any one of these questions, then why do you continue to financially support the Chinese government when they promote ethnic superiority, openly justify violence against any group of their choice, they wantonly destroy the environment, deprive all of their citizens of any sort of personal privacy, and they openly commit crimes against humanity. The Chinese government has made it clear that any and all activity that goes on in the country is for the sole support and benefit of the Chinese Communist Party. So what that ultimately means is that if you purchase Made in China, you are supporting that government. And just the other day I was in a store in a small community looking for, uh, looking for a small little skillet and you know I'm presently on a short business trip to Arizona and I needed a good quality skillet for cooking meals and I had two options I could purchase a lightweight non-stick skillet or a heavy-duty cast-iron skillet that cost two and a half times more the less expensive item was made in China and the cast-iron skillet was made by the Lodge cast-iron company in Tennessee that company has been making cast iron cookware since 1896. So I gladly paid for the cast iron skillet. And as I was driving back to my hotel, I noticed a sign at the edge of the city limit that was about five feet tall and 20 feet long. And all in capital letters, it simply said, buy local, please. This also makes me think about the most recent political slogan, Make America Great Again. Well, how exactly are we supposed to accomplish that when we spend billions of dollars and take loans from a government that is founded on the very principles that this country fights against? So I realize that this is a highly controversial and emotionally charged topic and rarely do I feel compelled to stand up and make any sort of strong political statement. But when I learned of this situation and my nice accountant Sean changed my perspective on this topic of China, I felt that this situation was so blatantly unjust that I truly felt like I needed to stand up and say something. But in closing, folks, I know that you have heard me say before that I have lived off the grid for 25 years and I do it willingly. And I do not expect everyone to live like I do, but it is not difficult to make simple changes in your life that will ultimately result in a lifetime of sustainable habits. So what I want to do is ask you to make one simple choice. Ditch China. Find other products and solutions to satisfy your everyday needs and stop financially supporting a government that cannot even respect basic human rights, much less contribute 
to a sustainable future. One of the founding principles of sustainability is social equity. You know, it's a very basic thing that we expect in our own culture. So why do we willingly support a government that goes against those basic principles? John F. Kennedy once said, life is never easy. There is work to be done and obligations to be met. Obligations to truth, to justice, and to liberty. So whether you like it or not, we have an obligation to build a better future for ourselves. And building that future means making better choices and assuring social equity. This is your host, Patrick. Signing off until next week, always remember to live sustainably because this is how we build a better future.